Hey guys, it's Ames. I'm just popping in to let you know this isn't actually a new episode. I just went through and edited the sound from our live show that we did on Facebook last week. So if you weren't able to watch that live or you weren't able to watch the whole thing, here you go. Enjoy. And hey, thanks for potting with us. Here. We look lovely. Thank you, Karen. I, I can see you. Oh, you can see me. Yeah. I can see you. Yeah, so. I see you crystal clear. Well, no, but um, maybe when you put your glasses on. <laughs> I can see you crystal clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Hey guys. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the, we had this whole elaborate entry planned. <laughs> it was going to be so freaking badass i was so excited we choreographed we had music ready to play and fucking facebook man and that's not even like let us down the drama that led up to this like there was drama before that i (laughs) i whatever it's all being recorded for posterity or some nonsense or something now i don't know what's happening with my glasses okay there they were crooked (laughs) They felt crooked. I don't know if they were. Hey! Hi! We're, this is our live show. Our live show that everyone else can see but us. Our first live show. I mean, <laughs> we're going blind. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I guess it'll be like any other time then, right? I mean, I guess, except any other time nobody sees us. Yeah. So, so. I'm going to write Facebook a very detailed email, <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg, and um, <laughs> never too late, she says. Um all right, you guys. So I guess this is gonna it's gonna work like Karen's our moderator. Yeah, I sure. suppose. <laughs> All right. So what should we start out with? We have so many things. Should oh. we start out with the drawing? Oh, we could do that for our audience of two. <laughs> uh, no, look at my face. Thank you. Um, I wrote notes. <laughs> I wrote good notes. I hope this time. Uh, first, oh, first I'm supposed to thank the fans. Oh, yes. So, yeah, you guys have been incredible. You, like, just join all of our social media and stuff, and that's awesome. And the interaction we love. Yeah. And hearing stories and and all that shit. Yeah, viewer mail is awesome. We love the viewer mail. Um, so I think we kind of wanted to do this as an experiment, kind of, and we thought it would be fun and kind of for you guys. So that you could um, interact with us. You're going to be like, and it, Liz says loves the t-shirt. Oh, thanks, Liz. Oh, my God. Did you see Endgame? <gasps> she didn't see it yet. Shh, no spoilers. Oh, my <laughs> God. I have so many emotions. <laughs> so many emotions here. If I leave that there, just make sure the screen doesn't shut off. I can see my phone. Um, uh, yeah. So is that? So thanks. Um <laughs> What's next? Viewer mail. Viewer mail. We do have a viewer mail. It's on my phone, which I'm also using to moderate comments. So this is going to be fun. All right. (laughs) Viewer mail. One person just joined. She was, I don't want to shout out her name in case she wants like to be low key, Mm -hmm. but she just joined, I think like yesterday or the day before. And she filled out the questions and for the like, personal paranormal experiences she had a really incredible story um 
But like, so when you guys join the group and you fill out those questions, a lot of times I read them and I want to answer them, but there's no, like, I can't respond to them. Like, it's just like for me to read. And then based on that, I approve you or decline you. Like I haven't declined anybody. Everyone's in. Um, (laughs) I'm just nosy. Uh, so, but I really wanted to like, and then I couldn't figure out how to message her through the page. And then since my account's not friends with her, I couldn't, yeah, I hate Facebook. Like my rage fire for Facebook is (laughs) anyway. Um, we have a viewer mail from Sharon. So last week we did that viewer mail from Brittany. Yes. And I had said that, that she was our first viewer mail. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of, because she emailed it. Yeah. But technically, Sharon um, DM'd us on Twitter back in March. Oh. And she sent us, it's a little blurb um, that's kind of creepy that happened to her when she was a small child. And, but I never got, like, the approval to read it on the air. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know if it was something she just wanted to share, like, with us or if it was something. So I contacted her and I was like, hey, do you want us to read this? Because... (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm weird, you guys. I don't I don't I don't people very well. Um, <laughs> no people science. <laughs> no people science. Oh, I'm already on Twitter, so I mean, um, no people science. Uh, yeah, I don't do the people sciences. So um, I had reached out to her and like, hey, do you want us to read this? And she was like, oh my god, that would be amazing. So yeah, Sharon, I'm gonna fucking read your shit. Uh, so. I'm just going to read it verbatim. Uh, so she sent this to us March 11th. She's Sharon says, just finished listening to episode 11 and I got chills. Um, I don't, what emoji is that? What do you call that? It's not really crying, but it, like, it's kind of sobbing. Like, uh, <laughs> um, Um, my grandmother tells me all the time that when I was about three, I would always cry and complain about people who definitely were not there, um, pinching my arms and then like the sobbing emoji. That's for a three-year-old. That's terrifying. Like don't touch. Yeah. That must've been the Australia episode because that's what we were talking about pinching my, my, I'm glad that you're here (laughs) with your super duper memory because I don't remember it. Like I, what, I have to. Th- I posted the wrong pictures last week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that, I that just edited good. the episode and then I posted the wrong pictures. Like, uh, uh, da, da, da. okay. I hate when she tells me this because anytime I think of her old house, I get a feeling of being scared instead of nostalgia. That's really sad too. Yeah, I'm like your your grandma's house should be. It's grandma's house, and yeah, you go there for like house. cookies and hugs, and and you walk right in. You don't even have to knock. Hmm. Always welcome. Um, anyway, love, love, love. The podcast started listening a few months ago, and I'm so glad you guys are finally back. Oh, after we're about to leave you again. Um, it won't be as long this time, hopefully. And she did. I asked her um, if she had um, like any any more details she wanted to add. She said she doesn't remember it. This is just um, her grandmother telling her what happened mm-hmm. to her when she was little, just a little itty bitty. Um, because oh, I'm in my phone. Um, my cousin just got out of Endgame and she's texting me. <laughs> Sorry, you have to wait as much as I want to deal with that. Uh, um, yeah, so that's that viewer mail for today. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want someone pinching me when I was three. I definitely wouldn't. I mean, I was a 
grown-ass adult being touched. And yeah. No, it's not okay. <laughs> um, although I say that, but, the, like, there have been investigations where, like, I've been, where, like, the the kids are always way more in tune with that stuff. Yes, they are, Karen. Um, in fact, that one night at my apartment mm-hmm. when everything, like, blew up, like, in the bathroom yeah. with the stuff, like, being thrown and stuff, that you were there with the kids. Yep, but they were sound asleep. They, they didn't move. They not, didn't hear a single thing. <laughs> no, slept right through it. Lucky little. And then we're, like, in the hallway, like, what's that? Did you hear that? What's going on? Oh, my God. Why is that on the floor? Why is that dented? Why is this broken? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> everything I hear about ghost touching people, I think of Patrick Swayze. Oh, <laughs> I guess that's a good ghost touch. <laughs> um, and that just makes me think of when he possesses um, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, I almost said Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> yes, let's, let's, let's I have feel Pat- like, Would that have been funnier? <laughs> I think. Yes, it would have. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I think that's all our like housekeeping stuff. Yeah, except for. Um, Welcome to my favorite haunting. I'm Mel. Oh! <laughs> oh. I'm Ames. Yeah, we forget that sometimes. This is our podcast. <laughs> yep, that's how it goes. It's our special. It's episode 20. It's our live specials. Our live it's special. Spectacular spe- spectacle shit thing. show. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Oh, God. I just thank God for Karen, man. She's our Steven. Yes, thank you, Karen. Even from Canada. <laughs> She's going above and beyond. Um, yeah, my favorite haunting. So... This is a special episode in multiple ways. Yes, we're doing a live broadcast. We are. For the people that can see us. We can't see us. <laughs> we can't see you. Uh, and then how else is it special? Because we're doing two investigations of the Warrens. Yes, we are. <laughs> Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, pioneers in the field of paranormal investigation. Um, so, so sadly, we lost Lorraine back in April. She was 92. Wow. Insane. My great-grandma lived to 96. Yo. I know. It's crazy. Um, And then Ed, of course, passed back in 2006. So, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, Ed grew up in a haunted... Okay, so most of my information comes from warrens.net, which is their website. Just FYI. So, I'm, like, properly crediting, I guess. Um, Ed and Lorraine Warren. So, Ed grew up in a haunted house. Um, Lorraine's a psychic, uh, and she's like sensitive and gets impressions of stuff and just totally smacked my microphone. Um, so they met, I love their story. They met at 16 years old. He was working at the colonial theater in Bridgeport. Yeah. Bridgeport, Connecticut. And she used to come in every Wednesday night with her mother. And so they had like a little, like little flirtation and he'd see her come in with her mom and he finally worked up the guts to ask her out on a date and they fell in love in 1952 together they founded the new england society for psychic research um and then of course their paranormal their paranormals oh my god they're pioneers in <laughs> the paranormal research field together they've investigated over 10,000 cases of alleged paranormal activity um, and as I said before, Lorraine just passed away this last April 18th and Ed passed back in 06. 
They I, actually, I didn't write it down here, but when I was reading through, so their website, if you guys want info on them, there's a super, super detailed, um, like backstory for them. And one of their, one of the stories like early, early on in their career and relationship, it was really cute. They'd go and, um, investigate these haunted houses, but mm-hmm. the way they would do it because nobody's like a lot of them were private residences. Yeah. Nobody's gonna let them into their house. Like these two weirdos just show up like, Oh, we hear your house is haunted. Like, can we come check it out? <laughs> so of course nobody's gonna let them do that. So Ed was going to school for art. Uh-huh. And so he'd stand out in the street and start sketching the house. And oh. then he'd like sketch like ghosts and stuff around it. <laughs> and then um, then the two of them would, or no, then Lorraine would take the finished drawing uh-huh. up to the door and say something like, my boyfriend just drew this. Like, can we come in and look at your house? And usually <laughs> it worked. Wow. So I thought that was really cute. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting way to go about it. Yeah. It's very creative for sure. Mm-hmm. I still think I wouldn't let a stranger into my house. Yeah. I mean, but they were back in the like 50s, 60s, right. 70s. So. Well, I mean, and this would have been. When they started, yeah. This would have been definitely back at least the 50s. So, so yeah, they were a little more um, open, open doored <laughs> back then. It was almost like Canada. Nobody locked their doors. Yeah. Because that happens in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Canada is like the safest country in the world. Um, so that's all I got. That's their back, their quick backstory. Okay. So the one I did was, is the Enfield Poltergeist. And um, stupid me, I didn't go to their official website to look up their part of the story. I just went with... I mean, because it was in um, England, Enfield, England. So the main investigators were people in England, so they came in towards the end of the haunting, and I couldn't find a whole lot of information in the stuff I was looking at because the people from England are the ones that wrote it and published it and all that kind of stuff. So I think they kind of took Ed and Lorraine out of the equation a little bit and more focused on their part of the what happened. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think to go to their official website and look at their part. I I feel ashamed. <laughs> Warren-themed episode, the Warrens are barely in it. That's okay, though. You guys know the website. You can go now. Um, well, but, So you're going to have, like, all the early stuff, though, right? Yeah. All, yeah, this is all the, the early stuff of, like, how it started and all that kind of stuff. This one was documented to death, basically. Like, there was so much information. I felt like I was, like, overload. Like, it was so hard to, like, narrow it down. I have three pages of notes, and I usually only have, like, two pages of notes. And there's, like, it's basically all, like, haunting incidents. There's hardly any history because it's basically combined. Like, the history and the haunting is, like together so this was um this was the one that the conjuring 2 was based on right yes and there are actually i have a whole list of things and one of them is i'm gonna just hold it up because i have it here with me this book um it's called this house is haunted by guy lion playfair 
he was one of the investigators, and that's where most of my information came from because it was, well, from one of the investigators. <laughs> and also, it was a lot more detailed than anything else I found on the internet. Like, it made it made a lot more sense than the things I was I was finding. And of course, there was a bunch of haters saying that it was all faked. But I'll go into that at the end. <laughs> the, they're everywhere. There's yeah. always going to be somebody. So, um, Danfield Poltergeist, it surrounded the Hodgson family, Mother Peggy, she was divorced, they, they got divorced in 1974. This event took place August 31st, 1977, that's when it started, and so it mostly focused around her two daughters, Janet, 11, and Margaret accounts vary at her age. Some say 12, some say 14. And I, they actually have on YouTube some videos of interviews with the kids, and it's, it's hard to tell how old she is. Well, I mean, but it was in 1980, so she was probably about 16 or so then. So, I don't know. You probably don't have, like, a year of birth for her, right? No, I, did, I didn't. Because like, math? I didn't, I didn't, like, search up birth years or whatever. I was just going by what they said. Um, and then they, she had two sons, Johnny 10. He is usually away at a boarding school, a boarding school for problem children. St. Brutus's? Um, something like that. Do they use the canes there? <laughs> oh, all the time. <laughs> Could be loads of times. <laughs> and Billy, age 7. Now, in the book, This House is Haunted, they use um, pseudonyms for the, char- for the, the characters, the people, um, except for Janet and Peggy. They call them Janet and Peggy, but the other three kids, they call them different names. And I guess at the time, they were trying to protect their identities, but by now, everyone knows everything. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they were kids, they generally wouldn't release that anyway, right? I just Sorry. don't know why they kept the one daughter's name the same. That was weird to me, but... Anyway, um, so it all started August 31st, 1977. One night, Peggy heard noises from one of the kids' bedrooms. She went to tell the two kids to stop fooling around and go to bed. It was um, Janet and Johnny were sleeping in the same bedroom. Um, when she went to the bedroom, the kids said they were hearing shuffling and they thought one of the chairs was moving. Like, um, they had beds side by side. And then across from them at the foot of the beds was a dresser and a chair. And they said the, ch- the chair over by the dresser was, they thought it was moving around. Um, Peggy didn't believe them. But she removed the chair from the bedroom and took it down to the living room just so they would, you know, stop playing around and go to sleep. So she um, turned the light off and, you know, said, calm down, go to bed. Uh, Then she heard, then she, like, she was turning to go out the door after turning off the light, and then she heard a shuffling noise. And she turned the light back on. Everything seemed in place, and the kids Except the chair. The kids were in bed, like their arms were under the covers and everything, so like they were, you know, tucked in. <laughs> um, 
and the chair had already gone out. And then, after she turned the light back on, she heard knocking. Four loud raps. On what? Um, uh, it was coming from the shared wall. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about a little background. The house... The house um, that they lived in was a three-bedroom, semi-detached, council-owned house from the 1920s. A council house is uh, for general housing purposes, for the working class, um, part of the slum clearance program, or just homes provided for the most needy. So basically like like the projects... Yeah, I think... Project PJs. Yeah, something like that. And semi-detached, to me, sounds like it's like a duplex. So there's Mm -hmm. two together in the one building, and then there's an alley in between, and then another building Mm -hmm. with two. So it's the shared wall in between. They're a part of half of the house, and the the neighbor's half of the house, which they knew the neighbors that are over there. Um, It was... A builder named Vic Nottingham, his wife Peggy, and their 20-year-old son Gary. And they they knew them. They knew that they wouldn't be the kind of neighbors that were just going to like start pounding on the wall at like 9.30 at night. So they were kind of confused about what was going on there. She, Peggy was trying to explain away the noises in her head, you know, like going through, you know, the Nottinghams aren't going to do As that. As one and, does. And then the dresser that was sitting just inside the door started moving out from the wall. It moved about 18 inches. She pushed it back. <laughs> and then she pushed it back. <laughs> she just pushed it back. Okay. And then it moved out again. Yeah, it did. Um, even more, like it was trying to block the doorway. Like it was trying to block so people couldn't come in. Then she started freaking out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they were so scared that they ran over to the neighbor's house. You know, asked Vic, and and his wife's name's Peggy also. So I thought there were two Peggies in there. That's yep, two Peggies. Um, so Vic and Peggy and Gary, she like told them, you know, there's something weird going on in the kid's bedroom. So Vic and Gary went to investigate. They searched the whole house and the front and backyards and the alleyway beside it. They didn't see anything or find any person, but the knocking noises continued and they followed them around the house wherever they went. The knocking noises went with them. Oh. And all the kids and the mom were all outside by that. Like, Mm -mm. at the neighbor's house. Mm -mm. So Peggy, Janet, Margaret, Johnny, and Billy, they were all out of the house when Gary and Vic went in to search around. Mm -mm. (laughs) I don't like that. Mm -mm. At one point, uh, Gary put his hand up on the wall to see if he could feel the vibe could feel it and he could feel the vibrations as if someone was inside like the wall was in the wall not- knocking from the inside Do you know what of that the wall? makes me think of there's my favorite murder did an episode about um oh, i forgot the name of it but um it was back in the 80s and it long story short spoiler alert um 
it ended up being they thought that the house was haunted these two um teenage girls like young teenage girls like mm-hmm. 12 13 were living there and just here hand um <laughs> i'm glad you made it um and so their mother had just passed away so it was just dad and them dad was working all the time they were home alone a lot they thought the house was haunted all this weird shit was going on oh yeah i remember this and one. it turned out that it was this gross scrawny 15 year old boy who had a crush on one of the girls had broken into the house and was living in the walls oh my god that's creepy i like love that story and hate it yeah because that guy ended up going out and murdering people but like (laughs) it's a really good story like if you want to listen to it you should look it up um (laughs) anyways i'm sorry tangent but that's that was the first thing i thought of so without being able to explain any of what was going on, they were like, what should we do? And someone suggested, call the police. So they called the police, and two constables came. The Nassau County X-Files? <laughs> oh, no, that was a different story. Um, they listened to the reports, and they heard the knocking for themselves. And so they searched the whole house. They couldn't find anything. Like, all the family was, stand- was like, I think in the living room while the constable searched the entire house. And they found nothing. And then one of the constables was, I think he was checking pipes to the water heater. Mm-hmm. And then the female constable, Carolyn Heaps, was in the living room with the family. She reports seeing an armchair levitate across the room. It rose about an inch off the floor and moved about three to four feet across, sideways across the room. Constable Heaps did what she could to debunk the event. Mm-hmm. She looked for wires. She checked under the cushion, even putting a marble on the floor to see if it would roll around, and the marble stayed still. And, um, because an uneven floor would cause the chair to rise off the yep. ground. <laughs> I mean, she did her due diligence. She, yeah. She was a good I know, police officer. Just, no, yeah. It's just as funny. Like, if the marble moves, then the floor is slanted. And that's why the chair rose up an inch. Yes. And she later, you know, signed an affidavit to her statement, you know, saying what she saw and that no one was near the chair. There was no wires attached to it or anything she could find no reason for that chair to do what it did. Um, but they concluded that there was nothing they could do. It was in a police matter. No one was breaking any laws. Mm-hmm. They couldn't see anyone doing anything. Mm-hmm. But they did say they would keep an eye on the house for the next few days. And they did come back and check in on the family. Oh, that's sweet. In the ne- over the next couple days. So the next day is when marbles and Lego bricks started flying around the house oh, and bouncing off the walls. Oh, no. At one point, uh, the neighbor's father, I think, it's, I think it was Peggy Nottingham's father, came over and two marbles flew past his head and hit the bathroom door and fell straight to the ground. And they just fell. And they didn't bounce. They didn't roll. That's, that's the... Um, what happened with every marble incident that when it flew across? So it'd be the room. almost like like in some entity you can't see is holding it, holding it, and, and, throw and doing down whatever. Yeah, like completely controlling it. Yes. And when he picked them up, 
they were burning hot. Like, they were, like, almost too hot to hold. Mm -hmm. That's like that holy water at the Herman house with Popper. (laughs) This This bombardment continued for the next few days. By September 4th, Peggy was at her wit's end, and she went back to the Nottinghams for help. Vic suggested going to the police station to, like, see if they could find, like, temporary housing. So until they could figure out what to do from then on, because being a council house, they could go through to get rehoused somewhere else. But um, Peggy Hodgson Hodgson didn't really want to do that. Um, Vic's wife suggested calling the Daily Mirror. It's a national tabloid paper. To see if they knew of anyone that could that they could contact to yeah, help, you know, investigate and stuff. I I don't know why she went with the Daily Mirror first instead of like instead of any other newspaper the at London all. Times, but maybe she was a fan. <laughs> she wanted it to run next to the article about the lizard baby. Maybe Andy's here. Andy, hi, hi, Andy. Welcome. <laughs> God, I haven't seen you in forever, kid. Man, we just liked our page today. Or yesterday? Recently. I'm sorry. <laughs> Continue. Okay. So um, the paper sent reporter um, Douglas Bentz and photographer Graham Morris. Nothing much happened until, well, they were there. They, I think they were there for a couple hours. Nothing much happened while they were, you know, talking with the family, getting their story and stuff like that. Until they went to leave. As soon as they went out the door, Lego started flying again. Oh, God. They rushed back in, Morris with a camera, and almost immediately Morris got hit in the forehead with a Lego as he snapped a picture of the room. Now, I have this picture we can put up, I think. Of the Lego flying at the camera? You don't see the Lego in the picture. What do you see? But, um, Peggy is like ducking like like she saw it out of the corner of her eye and she like ducked out of the way oh jeez and the only other two people in the room are fully in the in the shot and they have one has his hands in his pockets the other one has her arms crossed and like it's kind of so blurred. it's not like they pulled us a, a fast one where they like chucked yeah. it and like and it's kind of blurred like you could like see that he was like kind of in motion like getting hit in the forehead and um, a week later, he still had the bruise on his forehead. So that thing hit him really Jesus. hard. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, quick interruption. There are some comments. Oh. Love you guys. So, first of all, and- Andy does not do the technology science. Oh. Welcome to the club, friend. Yes. We've had issues. <laughs> um, I think also Sharon DM'd on Twitter. I just saw the notification come up real quick, and she said she was having problems with Facebook, too. Oh. So Facebook. maybe this is a fluke. It's just my Facebook. Fucking Mark Zuckerberg. Do your job. Um, Angie says we need to do this once a month, and Liz seconds. Oh. Uh, <laughs> once a month? <laughs> once a season, You maybe? guys are ambitious. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> As you were. Um, where did I leave off? Oh, he had the bruise on his forehead. So um, when they got back to the mirror, they um, talked to a senior reporter, George Follows. 
about the incident and I'm sorry, who does George follow? Actually it's Fallows, F A L O Fallows. He Fallows. That was too easy. Sorry, lost my place. It's my fault. I do that to her all the time. It's always my fault. I talk too much. Oh, okay. Um, he He's not like the typical um, hard, grumpy, like, reporter guy. He's a very nice, kind, deeply religious Christian. Mm-hmm. And he listened to the story, and he thought the story was worth following up. So the next Monday, he went to the Hodgson's house, and they were... At Peggy's brother's house. So Peggy's brother just lives down the street. Um, His name's John. And he lives with his wife, Sylvia, and their two children, Paul and Denise. And so they had just had enough of the goings-on in their own house. So they went to Peggy's brother's house for uh, a little break. (laughs) Um, Fallows listened to the Hodgson story. He told them that that they had a poltergeist and one of the kids um like spoke up like a polka dice (laughs) (laughs) so so they had no idea what he was talking about and he had to like he had no it's poltergeist you know and you know explained what that meant you know meant noisy spirit in german and um and that really you're doing it without knowing (laughs) It's all your fault. And that they usually attach themselves to girls around the age of puberty. And then, um, I didn't put this in my notes, but I feel like this is worth mentioning because he sounded like a creepy old man when he said he noticed that Margaret was at the age where that she was a little too mature for her age or she's mature for her age or something like that. Okay, pervert. And and he's... He's with the church or he's just Christian? He's just Christian. Okay. It just it so, just struck me as odd, but like they probably didn't think anything of the wording back in the 1970s. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah a different, that's still that, yeah. you know, that, that but did like, not age well. He had to, like, he had to explain to Peggy what he meant by puberty. And she's like, oh yeah, Margaret, Margaret's had that already. Okay. <laughs> um, I it's it sounds like they're not like I don't know. I mean, they're a poor family. They I I don't know if they have much education. Yeah. Because a, a couple other things sound like like when I was reading through this that like well they sh- I kind of thought they should know that kind of stuff. So maybe there's a few things going on here, like behind the scenes, kind of. Um, possibly. I mean. Peggy did just got divorced a couple years before this, so I don't know how life was with her husband. There might be more. Um... <laughs> and she says it means Margaret got boobs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, let's see where we go. So he asked Peggy a few questions about her situation, including if she wanted to move. And she emphatically said, no, this is my home. I've been here for 12 years. I don't want to move. My family's here. My friends are here. You know, we, this is a good neighborhood. So he was, you know, trying to get to see if, you know, she's trying to tell the council that this house is haunted. I want to move out of this house. I want somewhere better. And that's not the case. So he, you know, when he heard that, he was like, yeah, 
okay, this is like more of a real deal thing. I'm going to get in contact with these people. The I can totally relate to that because when I was going through all the stuff at my apartment in Queens, and yeah. I mean, I was there for over five years, and that was very much my attitude. Like, mm-hmm. fuck you, motherfucker. This is my apartment now. <laughs> I don't care when you lived here or how long you lived here or whatever. Like, I'm not moving because it's a great neighborhood. Yeah. It's a great... And then I ended up moving anyways, but not because of that, because <laughs> I bought a house. I mean, it's different. But, like, I'm just like, because I can totally relate to that point of view. Like, get, you get out of my house. I live here now. So he knew of some people that he could get in touch with. He got in touch with the Society for Psychical Research. And every time I read that, I keep thinking physical research, and that's not the word that's written. Psychical. Yeah, psychical research. I always, like, it reminds me of, like, cyclical. Cy- <laughs> yeah, cyclical. Yes, it doesn't sound like it's right, but apparently but it is. It is. <laughs> I, I saw it a couple of times when I was doing research, too. So so who answered the call was a man by the name of Maurice Gross. Uh, he answered, and he, he arrived within a half hour of the phone call because he was... He had been... I'm sorry. I'm having problems over here. He had been waiting and waiting and waiting to get the call to like go and actually do some research because he had an issue where his daughter passed away um, in the year before. And then he joined the um, society. And by that time, they had become more of a oh, we're debating and we're looking at research and, like, book work and stuff, and they hadn't done a lot of go out and investigate and investigate. And he kept on bugging people in the in the society. Come on, when are we going to get something to research? Come on, come on, come on. So kind of like the dawning of coming at it from, like, a scientific perspective. Um, or the early stages of that. Yeah. Yeah, and he he wanted to, you know, get out there. So he w- that's why he was, like, there half an hour after um, Follows called because he was he was ready to go. He was like, let's get, let's get to this. I want to know what's, what happens when people die. Like, what's going on? So over the next year and a half, Gross, along with several other investigators, including Guy Lyons Playfair, investigated, recorded, and photographed hundreds of occurrences of phenomena. It is extensive. If you want to know all of it, like there's YouTube videos of actual interviews and um, Mr. Gross plays clips from his recordings of what he does. And the book, This House is Haunted by Guy Lyon Playfair, you can find it on Amazon. And local libraries. That's where I found my copy. (laughs) Um. I'm sorry. (laughs) Karen's asking what that sound is. Angie left, but now she's texting me. And I can't turn off iMessage without shutting off the internet connection. And it's coming through the laptop. Oh, no. It shouldn't be that loud. Oh, no. Um, Let me know if this affects the sound. Karen, can you hear me? (laughs) 
Karen. Oh, she's in the other group. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay, good. Okay. (laughs) Onward. (laughs) So, um, the, all the phenomena they've recorded from small objects flying around like marbles and the Legos knocking all the knocking in different rooms like from no one either being near a wall or no one being near where the knocking is coming from furniture moving especially chairs especially the chairs move often and the chairs also get balanced on top of things oddly like one of the times a chair was balanced on top of a bedroom door no. So the, the bedroom door was open like, I don't know, maybe 45 degrees or something. And the chair was balanced up on top of it and up against the wall. So if you like just barely touch it with your finger, it would How fall down. How high were their ceilings? Because I'm looking at a door right now and that's maybe eight inches of clearance, maybe a foot clearance. Um, they might have had shorter doors and tall, and tall ceilings like here, but shorter doors. Like a normal sized door in a tall room. Oh, Okay. I'm like, I mean, you guys can't see what I'm looking at. I'm like (laughs) mentally mapping, like turning things. Maybe. Um, I mean, there's some pictures like you Google, you Google the Enfield poltergeist and picture and you do the picture search and they have pictures of the bedrooms all over the place. So, I mean, you can look at how high, but I mean, I mean, I don't know. I didn't look that closely at the at the door pictures. I mean, I'm just it sounds so but a door on top of it. Cuz the first thing I thought of was in Poltergeist <laughs> when they stacked the furniture on the kitchen table. Yes, well, there was another incident that's kind of similar to that. It was in I think it was what they call the box room, which was like it was just used for storage and there was just a stack of stuff and then like a roll of wallpaper. And I think the roll of wallpaper was standing upright, like like um short and short cylinder part down and like the tall part up. And the chair was like balanced on that, on the stack and like on that. Like the leg of the chair would have been off the stack if that wasn't holding it up. They're doing um what not trust exercises? Um, team team building. building. They're, they're team are doing team building exercises. That's what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> they have to get along. I mean, they're stuck for eternity, right? Like they have to get along. Yes. <laughs> there. Um, let's see. That was the furniture. Uh, mugs full of water appearing on the floor, just randomly. People, no one would be in the room. Someone walks in the room, and there's like a cup full of water on the floor. And there's one one of the pictures in I think it's in this book actually. Can we show them the pictures from the book on live here? Yeah. Do you know? What, well, while you get that out, um, Andy. Oh, there it is. Grew up in a haunted house, and you grew, you opened right to it, Andy. We need to talk. <laughs> I I want to. We want to hear your story. Um, if you can see this, um, there's some of the pictures from the book. I hope that's close enough so you can see all four of them. But the one with the chair is the one that I was talking about with the chair being balanced on like a roll of 
wallpaper. There's no pictures of the... I don't see any pictures of the door. There's lots of pictures of the bedroom, but no pictures of the door. But here's another picture. This is a picture of the cups. Down at the bottom, there's an arrangement of cups and house plants. They just like lined up in a row. Closer. 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 Oh, oh too close. <laughs> too close. There. Like three inches closer. I don't think she can get closer. <laughs> well, I don't know if that was the same. We can. Hmm, how can we do this? Because I don't want to take pictures of the book and post. Yeah, I don't know. So this is the other pictures, the one of, especially the one of the chair. So people can look. I feel like it's like story time. Right? <laughs> and then, read the and story. And then the through a Lego. There's the picture. Does everybody see? Yeah, that's, that's the picture of that. But, <laughs> but I found one where their faces aren't blacked out. But like every, every picture of their faces are blacked out. But, yeah, you know, well. different things. And, of course, there's um, sp- spoons bending and a fireplace got ripped out of the wall. The fireplace or the grate? This is Like the like, whole fireplace? It's like, I think it was a gas fireplace. So it's like this big metal thing with like a gas flame thing coming in it. And that got ripped out of the wall. <laughs> you like my flames? Um, let's see, what other things happened? Um, Karen said, wait, what? Which part? The fireplace? How do you rip out a fireplace? That's what I'm saying! How do you rip out a fireplace? I don't know, but it kind of, like, it, like, pulled away from the wall and, like, like, I think it came piece by piece because it was all, it's all dismantled in the picture. like... I mean, yeah, because there, there's there's a seat here. Like, it's not, like, they put the wall and then put the mantle. Yeah, like, oh, I don't know if you've ever seen them. My grandmother had one. Um, she had one. It was, it was really old. It was this giant cast iron thing, and it kind of looked like just, it stood on legs, and it was just like a barrel, and it, like, had holes all through it. So the flame came in through it, and it, like... You know, it just burned. And mm-hmm. if you turn the gas off and you unscrew the gas line, you could just pick the thing up. I mean, it's heavy, but you could just pick it up. Oh, so that's more like a like a stove kind of thing. Uh, kind of, but it's like it's it was small. It was like you know, this yeah, like a little, microphones. Yeah, like a little wood burning. Like my parents have that, like on their their back, like little sunroom thing. Oh, and it's like a I little standalone. Probably the same thing, yeah. These ones run on like gas. The, the pipe that goes up yeah. through the ceiling for a chimney? And you throw wood into it? Oh, no. These ones run on gas, though. Oh. But similar, but I think smaller. Even smaller than that. Okay. At least the one at my grandma's house was small. This one looks kind of small, too. Because yeah, it looks like this... it's on a table. I, 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 sh- I showed everyone Cause... there. But it's like metal. So yeah. So it's not like. And that's the gas pipe. <laughs> that was. So it's like connected. a separate unit. It looks like. Yeah. So it wasn't like built into. The like wall it's not or like this one where it's like built in and then the chimney goes up through the roof. It's like um, a little standalone thing. Like a ventless fireplace, I guess what you can call it today. Like they don't have a. 
a chimney. Okay, but if that's a gas fire, we're getting off topic. <laughs> if that's a gas fireplace, how were they not? Was this all just like gas poisoning? <laughs> because you have to vent that shit. Maybe there was maybe there was a vent that I didn't see. I mean, I don't know where in the house this came from. It was one of the bedrooms, but I'm not sure which one. And you know, there's lots of things. Oh, small fires starting. Yes, Andy, all of it. We'll do a viewer mail if you want. We'll read it out. But I want to know. Small um, fire starting and then going out like on random objects like oven mitts and money and different things like that. Um, doors opening and closing and multiple people witnessing the same door opening and closing at the same time. And no one's there. Like, they all just, like, come in the house. They go into the kitchen. The bathroom door starts opening and closing. Everyone's just standing in the kitchen. No one's gone to the bathroom yet. (laughs) And, um, let's see. Things, they call it jumping. (laughs) But, like, kind of falling. But maybe, maybe there's, like, an arc to it. So maybe that's why they call it jumping. Like, things jumping off of stuff. Like, a t-shirt from the table. A cardboard box. Oh, like it's kind of like coming up and then falling down? Yeah. Um, the fish tank lid. Like, that's something that would be difficult for it to just accidentally fall off. A ghost with OCD, Karen says. <laughs> and um, more extreme things, like full-body apparitions. People talk about seeing lots, lots of different apparitions. A girl, a boy, and several men. (laughs) Um, Levitation of both girls. Um, There is a very famous picture of Janet levitating. Yes, it is here on the back of the book. And um, she kind of so to me, she kind of looks like a flying squirrel. (laughs) Like she jumped off the bed and it's like wah. And it. That was caught by a continuous shooting camera. So there are several pictures of the whole sequence of her mm-hmm. coming up off the bed. And some people, like the people saying, you know, there's no haunting or anything. They say, oh, she's just jumping up off the bed. But when they see her, like, there's pictures of her mother sitting in the room with her in the air like that. And they say she's sound asleep. So, it's kind of hard to She's jump on your own bed when you're sound asleep. Sleep jumping? Maybe. I mean, I used to, like, cook full meals while I was sleeping. Well, that was when you were on Ambien, so, wasn't it? Yeah, Ambien's dangerous. Don't do it. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's a little different. <laughs> I mean, maybe she was on Ambien. Did Ambien exist in the 70s? I don't know. Something close to Acid did. <laughs> And then um, one of the most compelling things is the entity slash entity speaking for long periods of time. And seemingly through the girls, like, they did a lot of experiments on, like, where the voice is actually coming from. So when the, the voices would come, they sounded, like, really guttural, like, when people, I can't even make myself do it right now. Like when people talk of it, can you do it? I'm trying. I'm, I'm like trying to like get my throat muscles right. 
Well, guttural. It's something that like hurt. that. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> but it, when, when people talk like that, when people make themselves talk like that, they're not using their actual vocal cords. They're using this like false vocal cord thing, flaps mm-hmm. that are above the vocal cords. And if, like you just said, when people do it for a, any amount of time, it hurts. It hurts. Mm-hmm. And... You know, if you do it for extended periods, it's probably obviously physical damage that you could see going on down there. And the girls would, like, go into these um, trance-like states, and then they would start speaking in the deep, scratchy voice. Um, And then when they come out of it, they talk normal, like, right back to normal. They say that their throat feels fine, and... Um, they also like examined them and they don't, they didn't find any physical damage of that kind of activity. Cause some people say, oh, they're just like doing ventriloquist stuff because That's not how that works. the voice seemed to come from, you know, their general area, their lips would maybe tremble a little bit, but they weren't moving their mouth or anything. And, um, I also want to point out that if you do do that for an extended period, like your voice will, because you're damaging your vocal cords, so your voice will start to sound like yeah. you've damaged your vocal cords. <laughs> like you wouldn't just go back to, yeah, like that. So you wouldn't just go back to like your normal voice if you're doing it like repetitively. Yes. Repeat, repeatedly. Yes, repeatedly. That's the one. And one, one thing they did do also is they put two microphones on the girls' necks, one in the front and one in the back, when they would talk in these voices. And the voice was louder in the microphone on the back of their neck than the microphone in front of their neck. No, my God, I just got chills. <laughs> so, I mean... No, because that means... The- well, they also reported uh-uh. feeling like there was someone behind them. No! When they would, like, when they would go into these trances like they would feel like someone was behind them wanting to talk i hate that feeling of somebody behind me like i can't oh, oh no i don't like it now i'm like look now i have it there's no one else here but so one one of the names for the voices was a man named bill wilkins and they later found out that he did live in the house. He lived there years and years before. I think it was maybe one or two tenants before. It wasn't the, the people right before they moved in, but it was the one before that or the one before that, that he lived there. So they wouldn't have known his name, especially being council housing. Like, who's going to share who the tenant was yeah, before you don't, kind of well, thing. Well, I mean, any apartment that I've ever lived in, I I have not known the name of the person before me. And um, so he did live there, and he died there. He died, like, he died, he had a hemorrhage while he was sitting in his favorite chair in the living room. Okay, yeah. I was just thinking to myself throughout this, like, I don't remember any of this, but I only saw The Conjuring 2, like, once. Mm. I think I only saw it in the theater. And, but when you said that name, I, because I think there's 
in the movie, like, they see him or they get a picture of him, like, sitting in his chair. Yeah, he's, I think he's also one of the entities that they, see, that they um, report seeing. Um, and yes, and he was also one of the voices that would talk through Janet. And then there was so much information. I feel like I'm just scratching the surface, but I feel like I've talked for so long already. This is a pretty juicy one. It's yeah, there's like, I mean, all the little individual details of every incident is, is categorized, written down, logged. That's why they have a whole giant book about it, because they did so much research. And they, like, took notes and did um, recordings and stuff of everything. And pictures, pictures, pictures. There's probably 100,000 pictures out there that they, like, never got published because they took so many pictures. For sure. And, um... Oh, another thing that happened for all the reporters and stuff that came in, the um, experts with the camera equipment and stuff, a lot of their equipment kept malfunctioning on them. Uh, Of course it did. (laughs) Which, that's typical. That's how that cookie crumbles. So, um, you know, this this whole thing went, went on for about 18 months of their lives. Um, on July 25th of 1978, Janet was admitted to the Maudsley Institute of Neuropsych- Neuropsychiatry, and she actually wanted to get removed from the house. She was like, I want to go somewhere. I want to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And first they um, moved her to, um, I guess it was kind of a convent, but they said a home with nuns. (laughs) I'm assuming it was some kind of convent that like also like had space for children to, you know, but it was not a nunnery. A nunnery. (laughs) No, it was not a nunnery. (laughs) That would have been a bad place for Janet to go. Oh, Karen, what would we do without you? Even after her short stay with the nuns, um, she was calmer and she, you know, the incidents in the house decreased. And so they, she went to the, the institute to, um, so they could, you know, do all sorts of kind of tests on her to prove that she wasn't crazy, I guess. Hallucinating? Maybe hallucinating. Using LSD. But I think before this, um, some reporters were talking to them, and they, like, gave them leading questions or something and somehow got to admit that they were faking some of the stuff. And the investigators don't feel like they were. I mean, they might have faked, like, one or two things. Like, they went into the kitchen and bent some spoons. But, like... The door opening and closing in front of everyone's faces with yeah, no one being there. That? How did they fake that? How did they fake um, the chair in front of the cops? Yeah, the chair in front of the cops. That that was that was the other thing I was thinking of. Um, you know, there's a voice. I got yeah, I got some other notes about how how could they do it? But Karen says that's a definite sign your house is fucked up when you'd rather be in an asylum. <laughs> yes. 
yes. Um, so yeah, things were great reduced in her absence, but not completely gone. So if she was faking everything, why were things still going mm-hmm. on? <laughs> and um, nothing was found to be wrong with her while she was at the hospital. Uh, she returned home in late 1978. The activity picked up again for a little while, but not to the degree that it was before. So the the big stuff, the levitation and the, the voices and the apparitions, that kind of stuff kind of petered out. But the, you know, the Legos flying and stuff, that picked back up. Um, oh, Angie had said earlier, I'd rather get hit in the forehead with a Lego than step on one. <laughs> yeah, those she things left, hurt. But <laughs> those things hurt. She's a very good point, yes. <laughs> yes, I have two boys. I know all about that. And then I'm a child at heart. I know all about it, too. <laughs> things um, stopped altogether in 1979. I couldn't find an exact date of when things stopped, but I think after... Janet went back home, the investigation kind of, like, the investigators stepped back and Mm -hmm. left the family alone. But after 1979, there was no more reports of incidents or anything like that. So, um, I already went over a couple of these. The, this house is haunted was written on the investigation side of all the evidence they gathered and all the tests they did. And there are so many different technical tests and stuff in the book that, like, it's fascinating to read, but it would be tedious to explain on this podcast. (laughs) Um, The Enfield Haunting is a TV miniseries that aired in the UK and apparently on A&E in 2015. Um, you can find it on Hulu right now. Yes. <laughs> and, of course, The Conjuring 2 is based on this haunting. And then YouTube videos, if you search up the Enfield Poltergeist, you will find a ton of of original interviews with the girls and the mother and um, Mr. Gross. And those were fascinating to watch. That was... I got sucked down that hole for a while. <laughs> So, um, and I had just a few thoughts to wrap up on why, why it's hard to believe that every single incident was a hoax for this whole thing. First of all, why would their mother live with that for that long if it was a hoax? Because she was, like, genuinely terrified about things. Was she? So, just to play devil's at, de- Yep. Yeah, that. that. <laughs> um... <laughs> devil's advocate i mean especially if there's other things happening there like she says she didn't want to move out but maybe she was looking for the attention i don't know that whenever wherever any account i read on the subject um she always like all the um reporters and the investigators and you know, official people said she came across by as a very genuine and honest person. Same with their neighbors and her brother, like all their family. So do con artists. <laughs> uh, Liz saw that TV series and she says it's really good. So oh. there you have it. A cool. recommendation. 
Thanks. Yes, it looks good. Oh, Wormtail plays Dr. Gross. Oh, yes. Or Mr. Peter Gross. Pettigrew. Yes. He does. That actor. I can't think of his oh, name at the Timothy moment. Spall. Yes, that guy. And I was like, I saw like a just a, a screen grab of a clip of it and I was like is that him so I had to go look him up and see if he was if it was him and it was and it was like oh you were playing that guy I feel like I think that's his name I feel like I need to IMDB now it's Timothy it's Timothy something it's definitely Timothy I remember and then um some of the a lot of the people that say this is a hoax not one of them went and actually investigated they reviewed what the other investigators caught and wrote and, you know, their photographs and their recordings and their notes on it. And based on that, they said it was a hoax. <laughs> Do your yeah. own work. Yeah. as like, yeah, I get peer review type stuff, but, you know, if you're not there... Some of it can sound outlandish, but when you actually experience it, it's a little different, you know? Well, and that's the thing. Like, if you're, I feel like if you're going to review everything and you're going to be skeptical about it, no, Adobe, God damn it. Nobody wants you to update (laughs) every five seconds. Um, If you're going to review it and then you're still going to claim a hoax, go to your own investigation. Like, don't stop there. Like, what are your, what's your reasoning? What are your grounds for, what is your debunking? Yeah. So, um, one of my other thoughts was, well, you know, maybe they saw some kind of scary movie or something that, or read something about that, that, you know, could be why they were pretending that the house was haunted. Mm-hmm. But the... Exorcist was released in the UK in 1974. It didn't come out on VHS until 1981. VHS. <laughs> Remember those? And, Remember Betamax? And also, they were living in council housing. They were a low-income family, a single mom raising her kids, mm-hmm. doing the best she could. They're not going to the movie theater to see that, I don't think. I, it uh, doesn't, And not that young, because at the time... Exorcist was like the scariest movie, yeah. but also, and that didn't even deal with poltergeist. That was a demon. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, was trying to think of anything because I was like poltergeist, but poltergeist didn't come out until 80. That, that was in the 80, 82, <laughs> 82. Yeah. And, and I'm like trying to think of what kind of scary movies. And even when I looked up, when was Exorcist released mm-hmm. in the UK? It was like, there was like this whole like debate before it ever got, was able to be released about like what kind of rating it should have Mm -hmm. and should they cut some scenes and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was interesting, but. And also, you also have to remember in 1977, there was no internet. Like the, the best way to do any kind of research would be go to the library and what kid is going to think I'm going to look up. Poltergeist? Poltergeist. Or even, or just like, I'm going to make up a ghost story and then start, like, goes down, like, the rabbit hole of the card catalog. I, <laughs> remember card catalogs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, all that kind of stuff in 1977 seemed kind of, like, difficult to have it easily done for a 12-year-old. Bye, Scott. Have fun. 
Um, yeah. And then, um, also, how would she know the name of Bill Wilkins, um, who died mm-hmm. in the house? Again, unless she's, like, really, like, really wants to, like, stir some shit up for some reason. And, I don't know. I mean, like, they... goes and gets, like, rental records. <laughs> I mean, she's, like, 12 or 13. They say she's pretty active and outgoing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, that kind of personality makes me think of someone that's going to go run outside and play soccer yeah. with the neighborhood kids, not, like, run to the library and do research. <laughs> also, she's not Hermione Granger. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> and then, also, over 30 grown-ups, including reporters, researchers, clergy, council officials, and police... All reports seeing these mm-hmm. happenings. Like, 30 grown adults. Credible ones, too. And not just... Over a year and a half long. Like... Yeah. How... How can that be faked? That doesn't... Like... I don't see... I, I would think that, like... They would have caught something. That's why I would say, like, if you're going to be skeptical, that's fine. That, I mean, it's great to come at something from a skeptical perspective, but before you call bullshit, like, do your due diligence. Yeah, well, when I first started looking, that's what I came out, I, I got was all of these people saying, you know, this is what happened, but they hoaxed it all. And I'm like, really? And then I actually read this book, and, like, I'd be surprised if someone could hoax all of that stuff. Like, that is a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. I feel so bad for that mom. Yeah. I don't want to That's, be that mom. <laughs> that had to be crazy living in that environment. And you're the only parent, so you're the one that's... Dealing with it all. But I know, I mean, like, the kids are probably looking to you to be, like, you're the protector and... Well, I mean, after a while, the kids got so used to it, they'd sleep through stuff. Yeah. And, like, like the, the youngest boy... Um, what was his name? Jimmy? I don't remember. Jimmy, I think. Like, or Billy. Sorry, Billy. Jimmy, Billy, whatever. Well, in the book, he's called Jimmy. <laughs> but, um, Billy, like, he, like, nothing faced him much at all about any of this goings on. Like, he would just, you know, sleep through everything. He'd just go play with his Legos while things were flying around over his head. <laughs> like, he seemed to have no effect and one sad fact is that the older brother, John, Johnny, um, he died at age 14. So I I didn't come across exactly what happened to him. In the house? Um, I don't know if it was in the house. But that just, like, it was just one of the little, like, little blurbs about the family. And, like, Jimmy died at age 14. Or Johnny. And nothing else about it. Um, no, and I meant, I meant to, like, try to Google it, and uh-huh. I, I forgot to, I, I was, I was engrossed Well, in I feel book. like if it was related, it would, they would have, yeah, I mean, it, that would have been a I don't think it was point. related. It was, I mean, it was at least two years after the end of this whole incident yeah. that he passed, so. That's so sad. Yeah. But, yeah, that was the Enfield Poltergeist, and I feel stupid about not looking up Ed and Lorraine's no. part on the thing. Warren-themed episode, and where were the Warrens? Um, well, they were part of the 30 yeah, <laughs> grown-ups that... Yeah, <laughs> two of the 30 that showed up. I mean, 
I mean, lots of people showed up. Like, yeah. At, like, the newspapers started publicizing this. So, like, everyone came out of the woodworks for this, trying yeah. to, like, figure out what's going on, trying to offer help. And, um, yeah. I was, that's probably not even half of what is in this book. But that's a good. How far did you get in that book? Well, I jumped around after after the first. Oh, you were just like looking after the for... first after the first two chapters. I jumped around to see if I could find look, like. This thing. You guys look how thick this book is. <laughs> look at that! It's a beast. It's a beast. Yeah, I was trying to find, especially the date when they concluded that things had stopped. But yeah, I couldn't find that date. I mean, I, I mean, I still think you did really well. You had a ton of it. There was so much. Yeah, that was that was that. I was overwhelmed with how much stuff. That's like I was, I was like pulling my hair out. Like, oh my gosh, there's too much. There's too much. I can't do it. No, but you did it. Good job. Yes, yes, I was up late last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why. It was a last minute research. It, it, it kind of was. I was. Karen says that's some dedicated episode research. I, well, this, um, she makes me look so bad, you guys. <laughs> well, this book, I got it at the library, but it was in a different branch than the branch I go to. So I had to wait for it to come in. You couldn't drive to the other branch. I didn't know where it was. They didn't tell you. I don't remember. It was too far away. I thought I was just going to get it and, you know, Winton Road. Yeah, I don't know where that is. Oh, I know where that is. That's far um, from you. That's over by where I, I, I just I just thought that I would like read That's it after the one the... I used to go to when I was a little tyke. <laughs> I thought I'd just read it after the fact, but it came in like two days ago. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to go run to the library and I'm going to read this and yeah. see. And it was so much better than what I was doing that I'm like, okay, this has got to get redone. <laughs> um, well, good job. Um, all right. Should we move on? Anything else? Any? I'm going to move on. Yes, let's move um, on. I have handwritten notes on here as well because I got myself an Apple pencil and I went a little, I got a little nerdy with it. <laughs> um, so let's see if I can keep this in. <laughs> Ping your face, Karen. Let's see <laughs> if I can keep this in some kind of sensible order. So I did Annabelle. Um, of course, Annabelle... Uh, her popularity kind of spiked when, um, was it the first conjuring? Yes. The first con. Wait. Does she have a cameo or something? Yeah. Wait. I don't know. One of those movies. What was the first movie with the Warrens? The. Was it the conjuring? Whoops. I think it was. <laughs> okay, I did want to take this opportunity to point out that her research versus my research, she was valedictorian in high school. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> I was somewhere like in the middle-ish. Um, so yeah, maybe I should have gone first. I can't follow yours. I we're gonna shut this off and start all over again. No, we're we're just, no, I'm kidding. We're not. Don't don't, <laughs> don't go away. Don't. don't. <laughs> I would beat you. I would beat you with my microphone. Um, well, regardless, so um, I'm pretty sure it was The Conjuring because that was the one where they were out. They were at the farmhouse, and then yeah. Lorraine sees her reflection in the pond in the back. 
and then she like her necklace goes missing. Oh yeah. And it's like her daughter has the matching one. Yes. And they yes, go back yes. and then the dolls like so it's been a long time since I saw that one. So that me too. <laughs> so the Annabelle movie is nothing it's it's I mean if you separate it from the actual events, you could probably enjoy it. <laughs> but first of all, the doll is nothing like the the doll in the movie is this really creepy like porcelain face like mm-hmm. old and she's creepy smile and like she's she's gross um the actual annabelle doll is one of those oversized raggedy ann with the yarn for hair when i first saw a picture of the actual annabelle doll i was like what Mm -hmm. because i was picturing the movie doll because Mm -hmm. the movie doll is creepy and raggedy ann and andy are like adorable yeah and and i mean it's like a childhood staple right yeah so it's like it's more I feel like that's more of like a <laughs> fuck your childhood, um, but that's is that gonna stay? 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 Um, from a like a creative standpoint, I understand why they did that because they want it to look. But I personally feel like the scarier things are the everyday things. Yeah. So the things that you would not suspect. I yeah I think. I think a, a Raggy Ann doll, like, moving by itself or whatever, changing position yeah. would and be like, creepy. Um, I just had something on the tip of my tongue, and I lost it. Oh. Um, the cutest, adorablest little toddler. Mm-hmm. Innocent as all fuck, right? Oh. The, like, any, like, the, the omen? What, pet, like pet cemetery, what, <laughs> like come on, like yeah. a cute little kid comes in and like you know, I I don't know what creepy things kids say, but like that's like a BuzzFeed post or something. I think like the thirty most creepiest things parents have heard their kids say, and it's oh, like yeah. those things give me chills. I'm like, this is nightmare fodder. I can't even that like that makes me not ever want to have a kid. Like I'll just have my cats. Thanks. Um, I, I think I've sent you one that my kids have said before. Yes. I don't, I don't remember what it is now, but it was, it was, it was creepy. <laughs> and I feel like, cause out of the two of them, like the little one, like, cause he's so, well, he's not so little anymore, but like, because he was littler for longer and like, yeah. he kind of like has that innocent oh, yeah. face so he much. Has those, he has those giant eyes. His eyes are going to stay like, huge. big, <laughs> like angel, innocent puppy dog eyes. Like he doesn't even have to pull a face. Like that's just his natural state. Yeah. But like something creepy coming out of his mouth, like, oh, And I'm pretty uh, sure it was him that, that I think it. <laughs> I think it was too. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember you telling me or texting me or whatever however you told me. I texted it to you. I was just like, uh-uh. <laughs> Uh-uh. And it was probably several years ago when he was smaller. Too. Yeah. No, yeah. It was definitely a while ago. It's, it, like, so to yeah. make something go so overtly evil, like, it's not as... Because it's not unexpected. Yeah. And wasn't this doll supposed to be, like, a beloved toy of someone's? So, okay. So we we'll tell the story now. We'll get to the story. So, in 1970... Take you back a ways. <laughs> Remember the seventies? I don't. I wasn't born. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, in 1970, so this woman Donna, um, she gets this. It's a large. It's not one of the little. It's a large one. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe like yay big. My stomach's growling. I'm sorry if you hear it. Um, it's a large. It's a vintage Raggedy Ann doll. Um, she gets it from her mom for her birthday. So mom got it from. I don't think I noted it, but mom got it from. Uh, 
She got it secondhand. Mm-hmm. A thrift thrift store. Okay. Yeah, she got it from a, a thrift store. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, so um, Donna's grown. Uh, Donna lives with her roommate. I don't know. She'll come up later. She's in here somewhere. Angie? Um, yeah, Angie. I see it. <laughs> oh, look at you go. So Donna and, Andy, and Angie, I think they're both nurses or nursing students. Mm-hmm. Um, they're roommates. They live in an apartment together. So this grown woman, Donna, gets a large vintage Raggedy Ann doll from her mom. Um, tosses. she liked it as a child. Maybe she liked Raggedy Ann. Maybe, but, you know, I'm 24 now. Do I need uh, <laughs> a doll? <laughs> yeah. I mean... Um, so she tosses the doll on the couch, forgets about it for the most part until <laughs> Donna and her roommate, Angie. Um, th- so they start to notice that the doll's being found in different positions than it was left. So it starts out small as these things usually do. Yes. Um, an arm is in a different spot or it was, she was like sprawled out and now her legs are crossed. Um, so they brush it off, ignore it because, and I mean, mm-hmm. I can understand that because that's not going to be your first thought. You're just, especially if you have somebody else living with you yeah. or like, like for me, like I had cats. Yeah. So it's like, it's easy to brush off noises or things being moved as well, the cat was running around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they brush it off until the doll starts showing up in different rooms. So no. she's gone from the couch to the living room to like the bedroom. Um, not good, which is exactly the example. Donna, um, she'd leave it on the couch, go to work. She'd come home. She'd find it in her room on her bed with the door closed. Um, so this is going on for about a month and like, it's escalating, escalating, escalating little at a time. Um, can I ask one question? Mm-hmm. Did they talk to each other about this? Before? I was thinking that, um, like, like when it started I would going to the bedroom. I mean, that's cause my first thought would be like, did you put this shit in my room? Yeah. Like, are you messing with me? Angie? Yeah. <laughs> so I, or maybe that's why they continued to brush it off because they thought the other one was doing it. Yeah. That's what I was wondering if they like spoke up about it or they just like, whatever she's doing it. Mm-hmm. She's messing with me. I would totally blame be. you. <laughs> be like this bitch. Um, Regardless, this goes on for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they start getting the notes. So at the beginning of co- The Conjuring, I'm pretty sure it's The Conjuring. I, we're going to go with The Conjuring for now because I can't remember what other movies they were in. If it's different, we'll, uh, we'll write a note somewhere. I'll put it in Instagram Twitter, post with the wrong pictures again. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, they, so the beginning of that movie, they do a really quick synopsis of this story mm-hmm. with, um, I don't. I don't think Lorraine is with him. Maybe she is. Ed is definitely... No, yeah, maybe they both are there. Um, And they're basically talking to the girls. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're telling... um, They're going over, like, the notes showing up. And, like, they're doing it as kind of, like, little flashes. Like, Mm -hmm. little flashback things. Um, So they start finding these notes around the apartment. And... They're written in like, it's like a little kid wrote them in mm-hmm. crayon on parchment paper. Parchment um, paper. So like it's the like stuff in your baking drawer? Yeah. Okay. So, because well, I was thinking of like old fashioned paper, which is like called parchment, but I know. <laughs> um, well, that's what I thought of too, but then I saw somewhere later on that I think it is the, the cooking, the baking stuff. Um, 
but the note, the notes, they say things like help us or help Lou. So Lou is a friend of them, um, who visits a lot, but like he doesn't live there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no parchment paper that has ever been kept in that apartment while they live there. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and assume there were no crayons too. I would think so. Um, I would hope. I kind of would hope not in a 24-year-old's apartment. I mean, I don't have crayons, but I have, like, markers and colored pencils. Yeah, but you don't have crayons. I mean, did you pack up your crayons when you left your your parents' house? <laughs> I don't think I even had crayons at that point. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> da, da, da. So one night, so Donna comes home, and the doll has once again moved onto her bed, But this time, for some reason, Donna, just she has this, like, bad feeling. Um, So she's being cautious. And as she's, like, approaching, she looks and she notices there's red droplets on the doll that look like blood. Um, No explanation for where they came from. So at that point, um, Donna and Angie both decide to call a medium who comes and holds a seance. Mm -hmm. Um. Through the medium, the spirit attached to the doll claims to be a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins, um, who says that she lived on the property before the apartment building was built, and her body was found where the apartment now stands. I don't know what floor that they were on. Okay. It's like, that sounds to me like it'd be the first floor, or I don't know. Like, because she's like, not where the building now stands, where the apartment stands. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they're on, yeah. like, the fifth floor. Yeah, so that does sound like it would be a first floor. There is a new Annabelle movie coming out soon. Um, Liz is correct. Um, whoa. I don't know how I feel about it. I'll probably see it. <laughs> um, I just, I have to, because the movie is nothing at all like the true story. Like, not at all. So, it, I have to, like... I have to conscious, not even, I have to consciously like separate because it's, it's vastly different. It's not like, like the conjuring, the conjuring to the nut. Like I, I don't even know the story behind the nun, but, um, artistic license there. Yeah. Like they were like kind of based on true events, Amityville horror, Mm -hmm. like, but they're embellished, but the base of the story is the same. But like Annabelle was like. Not even close. Like, it was a completely different story. Okay. It was like they just took the idea of a haunted doll and just ran with it. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, where did I leave off here? Yep, and there went a cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, shit, where did I leave off? Um, oh, her body was found in the where the apartment now stands. Okay, so seven-year-old girl Annabelle died on site. Um, Annabelle says she feels comfort with Donna and Angie and wants to stay with them. So of course, feeling bad, Donna and Angie give Annabelle permission to stay with the doll. And I wrote in asterisks, I roll. Come on, don't do Uh, it. Don't let anyone, don't give permission to anyone. You don't know who that is. Demons lie. That's not Annabelle. So now we come to our good friend, Lou. Oh, Lou. Poor Lou. Poor Lou. Lou went through a lot. 
Lou warned Donna several times from the... St- was that you? I'm sorry. Oh, maybe. What did <laughs> I kick? Oh, oh, I kicked something. It was you or a cat. Oh. No, it wasn't you. Was it a cat? I don't, I don't think know. so. Sorry, that was a. <laughs> I kicked something soft and it startled me because there shouldn't be anything under the table, as our chairs are just creak, creak, creaking. Oh, it was a cat. It's Henry. Oh, Henry, buddy. I'm sorry. I didn't kick him hard. I promise. I just kind of nudged him a little. Oh, he's playing. He's what? Playing with a toy. I thought you said he's bleeding. I was oh, like, he's what? No, playing. Oh, buddy. Okay. I would have said bleeding in a whole different tone. <laughs> he's bleeding. Oh, this is usually the stuff that you guys don't hear. <laughs> uh, poor Lou. Lou, Lou, Lou. So Lou had warned Donna from the start multiple times that the doll was evil and she should get rid of it. That was my stomach. I apologize. <laughs> um, so, of course, Donna, because there's always the the non-believer in this scenario who's mm-hmm. just like not even just not a non-believer just like completely like disregards anything like, blows like, off like no it's just a doll dude it's fine <laughs> i'm gonna snuggle her and pet her hair pet her yarn hair <laughs> um that was a direct quote it wasn't um so one night lou is staying over he wakes up with all the symptoms of they did not hear your stomach. Oh. It might okay. be on the microphone. Though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find out later. Yeah. I'm totally going to leave it in, too. It, it is. It, out. Rawr. it was super loud. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I'm taking away from the, uh, the thing. So he wakes. So Lou was staying over one night. He wakes up middle of the night with all the symptoms of sleep paralysis. We've gone over sleep paralysis a bunch yes. of times. You're like stuck there. You usually feel like there's a weight on your chest. You can't move. Um, and it's because your brain has woken up, but your body has not yet. There is like a lag. Um, so he sees Annabelle at the foot of his bed. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. And then it slowly starts to glide. I put in, um, those are not parentheses, Qu- quotes. Those quotes. Wow. <laughs> uh, fuck sleep paralysis. Yes, Karen. I agree. Uh, so... Annabelle slowly starts to glide up his body, stops at his chest, where it then begins to strangle him. Oh my gosh. And I wrote in the margin, like the clown in Poltergeist. Remember that scene? The dad? The clown? Is it, was it the dad, though? No, it was the kid. Oh, it was the kid. Like, that little kid, that was one of the things for the curse, because that kid almost died. Because the, the robot malfunctioned. Oh. And they thought he was just acting really well. Oh, yeah, and it really had malfunctioned and was really strangling him. I kind of forgot. I mean, oh, it's been so long since I saw Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I just researched it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so Lou's being strangled. He blacked out, and he woke up the next morning. He was insistent that it was not a dream. The next day, Lou and Angie were alone in the apartment, and sounds of movement started coming from Donna's room. Where guess who is living in there? So they know. they think because the um the sounds are so like real mm-hmm. and like loud, like there there must be somebody in there. They think somebody broke in. So Lou, being a brave man, um, <laughs> he goes to look. He goes in. He sees Annabelle on the floor in the corner, which was typical. They say, and there were no signs of forced entry. But as he got near the doll, he got that 
you know that feeling like oh like before when there's somebody behind you uh-huh. like, oh i gave myself chills again i forget <laughs> that feeling that feeling when someone's right behind you so he spins around yeah. and no one's no there. one's there <laughs> um, but he feels like his chest is on fire Ooh. Like, he feels, like, burning, so he looks down. His shirt is covered in blood. Ooh. Um, he, so he looks, he pulls his shirt, and he looks down under his shirt. He's got, no, keyboard, I don't want you. He has seven claw marks. Um, three up and down and four across. Um, they took about two days to heal, but they were deep enough that, like, he bled, like, the blood, like, soaked his shirt. Yeah. Ooh. Um, but his shirt wasn't ripped. Three down and four across. It does not say. I don't think so. Yeah. I would think they would mention it if it was. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you wouldn't have to pull your shirt, right? It'd yeah, be like I in, in Freddie when he's just like, yeah. wh- wh- which death was that? When they didn't even, um, the person's like awake, but he, so you don't see Freddie, but you see the claw oh, marks yeah, for him. I remember. I don't remember. I think it's the first one. I don't remember. Was that Johnny Depp? He got sucked into the bed. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, so the scratches were essentially Donna's wake-up call. So after that happens, she gets in contact with an Episcopal priest, Father Hegan. Father Hegan felt like this might be just a little too big for him, so he contacts Father Cook, um, who I guess was like higher up in the church, like his boss, his boss's boss. I don't know. The big guns. Uh, so Father Cook hears the story, immediately gets on the phone to the Warrens. <laughs> He's like, nope. He's like, I can't. No, 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 no I'm no. not doing this. We bring in the professionals <laughs> with the proton packs. Uh, I'm kidding. They didn't have proton packs. Uh, the Warrens are immediately interested. They speak to everybody involved. Um, they pretty quickly figure out this doll's not possessed. Spirits don't possess objects. And like, that's your first, but then granted, like this is, you know, 1970, this kind of like how we have all this knowledge now, like a lot of that's almost common knowledge, especially if you're interested in this type of thing and you watch these shows and movies, um, and do any kind of research. But back in 1970, again, no internet, no cable. Um, so it's like, it's all new. It's not really common knowledge, but Spirits don't possess objects. Um, what what does possess an object? Uh, I wonder. Nothing, actually, but um, something can attach to them. So what actually happened was this inhuman spirit, a.k.a. <clears throat> oh, no, wait, that comes later. Wait, I'm sorry, I'm two lines early. <laughs> this human inhuman spirit had attached itself to the doll and was manipulating its movements to appear possessed, but was really using it um, essentially as a stepping, so- a stepping stone to possessing Donna. Oh, so nice. It, it was using it to get closer to Donna. Because Donna slept with it in her bed. Not really. Um, <laughs> in her room, though. It was in the room. I mean, you're in proximity yeah. regardless, right? And also with, I mean, we all know it's a demon by now, um, <laughs> but it, the more, the way with demons, they get their energy, the more you pay attention. So that's why things always yes. start out small because they don't have the energy to do big things off the bat. Um, the more you pay, so they'll start off like moving an arm or a leg and then mm-hmm. you're paying attention to it and you call in a medium who's giving it and it feeds off excuse me, it feeds off all of that energy and takes it 
to do bigger and bigger things like writing the notes, like going out to get parchment paper and crayons because that wasn't in the apartment. Yeah. Um, so all those things, God damn it. My iPad scrolled and it was not told to scroll. Uh, where was I? Somewhere around here. There I was. Uh, yeah. So, um, so when you have an inhuman spirit, they call it <coughs> demon. <coughs> I wrote cough, demon cough. Uh, they want, oh, son of a bitch. I just did that whole paragraph. I got ahead of myself. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's exactly what I just wrote. They do stuff like move the doll from room to room despite curiosity, paying attention, you know, why is this doll moving and writing notes? Let's call a medium to communicate, and then you're communicating with it. That's what it wants. So then the demon lies and says it's the spirit of this little seven-year-old girl who died, and she's stuck in the afterlife and lonely and just wants company, and she feels safe with you, and can I please stay with you? Like, just let me stay. Um, please, Donna, please just let me stay with you. No. Um, <laughs> tell it no. no. Um, yeah, so that garners sympathy, and then it asks for permission to attach to the doll, and then um, it's a foot in the door to get closer to possessing a human, a.k.a. Donna. Um, the Warrens estimated that, that if they had let this go on without calling anybody... Uh, within a few more weeks, anything from full-on possession to death could have happened to anyone occupying the apartment. Wow. Um, so they have Father Cook cleanse and perform an exorcism on the apartment, and the Warrens take the doll. Um, that's not the end. <laughs> of course not. But there are a couple of deaths associated with this doll. Um, so after this, there's a few things that happen. Um the Warrens, so they leave the apartment. They have Annabelle. They get mm-hmm. in the car, um, put Annabelle. I so they put her in the back seat, and I totally picture Ed just putting her in like in the middle, and then mm-hmm. like buckling her <laughs> in. Um, do you want an apple juice, honey? <laughs> um, so, the, but the, he's smart about this. Like he says, he's going to stay off the interstate and stick to the back roads just in case the spirit or demon, whatever the case is, is still hanging out with her. Uh, so just about as soon as they leave, they pull off, they immediately have this overwhelming sense of, um, it says, Oh my fucking God. Uh, they have this immediate overwhelming sense of hatred and anger. They just overcome them and comes from out of nowhere. And by all accounts, um, they, Ed and Lorraine were both very, like anybody, especially after Lorraine passed, like everybody who, who had met her, who had known her, you know, they all like, um, put little statements out and like, mm-hmm. she was the, by all accounts, like anybody who knew them, they were very, kind of very much like how they're portrayed in the movies. Very, um, loving and very sweet, very, mm-hmm. um, nice. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other, uh, words. I don't do the word sciences though. So, (laughs) um, but like just very good people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like this out of nowhere for them both to be just feeling just hatred and anger is very telling. Like that's not their emotions that they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, so after that they get this feeling and then the car starts doing all this crazy shit. Um, 
Every time they take a curve, it's like fishtailing around. Um, Every turn. So like, you know, you slow down to take a turn, like to turn a corner. The car would stall out. Um, I just lost my place. Um, The brakes and the power stealing. Stealing. Steering. (laughs) Um, the brakes and power steering failed. Um, and they had a ton of close calls going home. Wow. Uh, so Ed's like, fuck this. And pulls out, <laughs> that's a direct quote. It's not. Um, pulls out his holy water because who goes anywhere without holy water? Ed doesn't. Um, <laughs> he's a smart guy. He like turns around and just dumps it all on the dial. Um, immediately the malfunctions of the car stop. The car's fine. Um, and no, they had no previous mechanical problems with the car. Um, and then none after that. Uh, and the atmosphere, that like anger and hatred that had settled mm-hmm. was just gone. Um, drove the rest of the way home. No incidents. Um, so for a while, so they get home. So Ed has this, and if you've seen these movies, you've seen like the home office with all the stuff, the shelves of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, uh, their museum now. Yeah. All that stuff is in there. Um, so for a while, Ed just leaves the doll in a chair in that office. Um, at first, she levitated a few times. Nice. Like just up and down and up and down. Um, before venturing out and being found in different rooms throughout the house. No. Yeah, I just gave myself chills. No, no, no. Uh, so it's like she's testing the waters, right? Like, yeah. da, 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 Oh, well, now I can come out here and now I can just be in your bathroom behind the... That would be an awesome one. They'll like pull back the shower curtain to take a shower and there's <laughs> fucking yeah, rag- no Raggedy Ann just sitting there smiling up at you with her cold black eyes. Oh. <laughs> and that giant smile. <laughs> um... I mean, you know what, though? She probably really just wanted an Andy. <laughs> um, Doesn't everybody just want an Andy? Aww. Um, well, we have an Andy here. Oh, thanks for joining. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Catholic exorcist Father Bradford um, was visiting the Warrens at home. He saw the doll in the chair in the office. He picked it up and said, you're just a ragdoll Annabelle. You can't hurt anyone. That is a direct quote. That really is. Bad um, words. And Don't then say things like throws that. it back down in the chair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you guys are not Ed Warren. <laughs> um, yeah. He lives. He lived on the edge, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh so, yeah, so you're just a ragdoll. You can't hurt anybody. He throws it back on the chair. On his way home, no. his brakes failed at a busy Uh-oh. intersection. He was in a near-fatal crash. The car was totaled. He lived. He survived. Wow. Um, he was injured badly. Uh, yeah, so Annabelle likes to wreck cars. Uh, after that, the Warrens had a special case made to house it. And put it in their occult museum. So you can still, if you go to the museum, which has been on my list for years and years and years, like before they even started making these movies, um, which I'm bummed now because Lor- that was back when Lorraine was still doing the the talks. Yeah. She only stopped doing those, I think, a year or two ago. Um, mm-hmm. But you can visit the museum and you can see all that stuff. And the case with Annabelle and it is still there and you can see her and there's a sign on it like, don't touch the glass, don't. 
antagonize her. Um, since being in the case, so I'm imagining it's um, got like a plethora of blessings on it. It's probably lined with holy water and garlic or something. I don't know. <laughs> um since being locked in that case, it hasn't been caught moving anywhere. Um, however, years later, um, there's no exact year given for this, but um, a young couple was visiting the museum. Um, they sound like assholes. <laughs> and after hearing the story of Annabelle, the guy goes up to the case and starts banging on it no. and taunting her and demanding stupid. to be, if you can really scratch people, then scratch me. That's not stupid. There's a time and a place for provoking. And that is neither the time nor the place nor the way to do it. You're no. a dumbass. Um, oh, he gets his though. Don't worry about it. Um, not that. I'm saying that he should have, but, um, so yeah, Ed kicked him out. Good. Um, he was, so he was there with his girlfriend. So he kicked them both out on the way home. The guy lost, so they're riding a motorcycle, which is already dangerous granted. Um, but he lost control and hit a tree head on. Mm. He was killed instantly. She survived, but she spent over a year in the hospital. Wow. Uh, when she gave her account of the accident, she said they were um, laughing and making fun of the doll as they were driving. And <laughs> karma, yep, giant karma possum right to his face. Um, <laughs> for like no reason, like he just lost control. Like there was nothing in the road. There, mm-hmm. It wasn't icy. It was like um, dry conditions. He just lost control of the bike and just went into a tree. Um, wow. So, Yeah. So don't fuck with Annabelle. Um, Um, So I know a tidbit about Annabelle. Oh, tell me. Um, Their uh, Ed and Lorraine's son-in-law has taken over doing the talks and stuff. And every now and then they go out and they bring some objects with them to show mm-hmm. their audience and Annabelle is one among one of the things that they in bring the case, though, right? Yeah. And she's still in the case and everything, but she goes out on tour. <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle the funny. tour. <laughs> um, well I, and I did, I thought you were going to like jump my note here. Oh, and I was going to be like, don't you dare. No, I was just, I was just <laughs> saying that she goes out on tour. No, with... that's cool though. Um, <laughs> yes. And I don't her... remember his name. Oh, uh... I had the tab open, but it's oh, it's well. not on. Oh, Tony Sparrow. Tony. Okay. Um, so b- this leads me into my note, though. Um, <laughs> so the next evening with Annabelle, um, it includes a buffet dinner, uh, an evening with Annabelle, mystical items of the occult, etc. Um, you can go to warrens.net and buy a ticket for that. It's coming up August 10th, 2019. Um, and they are in Connecticut. They only give like general area, right? I think it's Connecticut. Until you buy your ticket, then you get the address. I think it's because that's what the the last buy one now. did. That's what happened. What does this tell me? Uh, da, 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 da. Lecture, case files, and banquet dinner with your host Tony Spera. Uh, reserve your place today. It's August tenth at seven p.m. Liz, you got a passport, right? <laughs> it's one sixty nine a person. Um, 
Yeah, I think they, I don't, I don't know exactly why. I think it's so they don't get crowds, but yeah. they just give a general location. Monroe, Connecticut. Um, for the event. And then they give you the address then, when you buy the yeah. ticket. So they don't just Which have is, pop-up people. Come. Yeah. Mobs of people try to. I'm assuming they've had that in the past and that's why they do it this way now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so yeah. So that's. That's Annabelle. Creepy. That's my story. <laughs> um, yeah, that was it. And then I had just the evening with Annabelle was my last thing. So and that's interesting. It's a good way to see some of their stuff if you can't get all the way to their place. I don't know where they are. Where are they located? Connecticut. Connecticut. Oh, well, the last one they had was like in New Jersey. No, Massachusetts. I'm pretty sure the last one they had was in Massachusetts. Which is so far from Connecticut. Well, I don't know. If you can't get it's there for not. some reason. They're next to each other. And Connecticut's <laughs> one of those little... And so is Massachusetts. Yeah, you <laughs> can drive through either of those in like a half an hour. Really? Yeah. I, if you go I didn't like, realize they were that If small. you go like north to south. I know. We live in New York. <laughs> yeah. South to north. <laughs> north to south. Um, do <laughs> I have right? to... Do I have to... <laughs> <laughs> Get the map I science. Do map science. Map science. <laughs> New England in general seems scary. No, New England's not a bad place. We should we should go. I mean, New York. Well, New York's not really New England. Is that? Is it not really. part of it? Part of it. No, because it's part of the thirteen it's original more like, colonies. Yeah, but I still think because wasn't Virginia. Upper. And Virginia is not no, New England. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So New England's like higher. I think it's, it's all those little like Rhode Island and yeah, Connecticut and Massachusetts ones. and Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. Yeah. I Maine's big, but yeah. I think that's all of them. Yay. I kind of did map science. A little portion <laughs> of it. It was like a little bit. Um, now name the capitals. <laughs> now go fuck yourself. <laughs> Oh boy, you guys, we just did our live episode. Yes, we did. That's incredible. That was fun. What'd you think? It was fine. We couldn't see what we were doing. <laughs> I Yeah, that kind of, like I'm staring at the screen and I yeah. can't... I mean, I in some know. ways, I guess it's okay because we weren't like self-conscious about what we were doing. But, but see, in other ways, we can't see what our fans are saying. We have well, fans. that's we've got our. <laughs> sounds so weird. We've got Karen here. Um, not, yay! Congrats! Thank you. It was. I mean, did you guys? I mean, well, I mean, if there are suggestions of doing this monthly, I mean, yeah, that's I. That's scary. That, <laughs> that's awesome. Like that's super flattering. Um, it probably won't happen, but <laughs> uh, no, um, definitely something to do again for sure. Sure. Hopefully we will that was get a an grimace. image. <laughs> sure. Hopefully we'll get an image next time. Um, hopefully Facebook fixes their shit. I'm going to write yeah. a very nice email to that young man, Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> and I'm going to tell him what bullshit his platform has turned into. Um, I'm down for more lives. Oh, live episode. <laughs> I'm like, more lives? You played a video game? How you many know. lives? Like, you're going to be reincarnated? What's happening? Um, yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for live potting with us. Live potting. <laughs> um, 
I'm sure you guys all already do, but if you haven't yet, follow all of our shit. Um, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Viewer mail, Andy. Yes, we enjoy viewer mail. Um, yeah. <laughs> One up. <laughs> Bling! Um, uh, yay! Thank you, Liz. Um, yes, viewer mails, suggestions of, of ghost stories that you know that maybe we don't. Um, all of that fun shit. Um, yeah. If you're able to get to an evening with Annabelle in August. Um, Let us know how it goes. I was going to try, but my flight to... DR is the next morning, so hmm. that won't work for me. Um, and I was trying to make it work because I'm like, well, I'm flying out of JFK. Connecticut's not that far. <laughs> I can go to the thing and then just drive straight back to the city right after, and that's probably just not a good idea, no. especially if I'm seeing Annabelle. Like, I don't know. I might piss her off somehow, and yeah, I don't want my plane to crash. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, yeah, so that's it. So this is like the ending where we just ramble. Yep, yep. Because we, do we don't that. know how to sign off. Yeah. Just... Um, start the, probably should have started the fade out like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Has it really been that long already? I don't know. I don't do time set. So- oh. Time Did science. I do that one yet? I don't know. I was going to say makeup science because I fucked up my eyeliner earlier, but oh. I fixed it. Yeah, so there wasn't, fine. like, a point of, because I was going to be like, look at this mess. And I had it, like, all over my fingers. <laughs>